Good morning. I tell you, um, God is so, um, and I appreciate um, all the prayers um, in the church and texts and calls and, and everything. And what a tremendous feeling is when the surgeon walks in the room, the first thing he says is, Daryl, all I can say is that you had divine intervention. Um, because what happened is not believable in any other way. That five days, six days after surgery, that he said it would take six weeks for any vision to come back, that I had 20-40 vision. Um, able to drive. Drove out here. I said, is it safe to drive? He said, why not? <laughs> so... I really wanted to challenge myself this morning, and I want to attempt to sing this song that goes with what I want to speak about this morning. And it's a difficult song. I had to get a hold of Joe. Um, and when Joe tells you it's a difficult song, it made me even more nervous. So just listen to the words. Don't listen if I mess up or anything. Um, but it's a beautiful song. fall short I've got nothing new how could I express all my gratitude I could sing these songs as I often do every song must end So I throw up my hands, praise you again and again. All that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much, I've nothing else fit for a king. Except for a heart singing hallelujah, hallelujah. I've got one response, I've got just one move, with my arms stretched wide. I will worship you. So I throw up my hands, praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much. I'm nothing else fit for a king. Step for a heart singing hallelujah, hallelujah. 
so hold don't you get shy on me lift up your song you got a lion inside of those lungs get up and praise the lord oh come on my soul oh don't you get shy on me lift up your song you got a lion inside of those lungs get up and praise the lord oh come on my soul oh don't you get shy on me lift up your song you got a lion inside of those lungs get up and praise the lord I said, you go ahead and enjoy with your family. Don't worry about the pulpit. Um, I've been there <laughs> and trying to find someone. And I said, I'll do something. I don't know what. It may be something that I've done before. But I know whatever I do, if it's not much, that the church will have grace on me. Um, and then God's done this. And so you're not getting something that I've done before. It was kind of fun preparing this. Uh, this week, uh, and I want to talk about gratitude. As as we come to the end of this year and the start of a new year, 
of just that word gratitude, of giving God thanks and praise. Thursday of last week, we took our four youngest uh, uh, grandchildren to the Newport Aquarium. That is a fun adventure with four little ones, let me tell you, uh, when they're busy too. And so, of course, you know, about halfway through, we're hungry, Paul. Paul. So I said, well, we'll get something afterwards because it's like, you know, I'd have to take out a loan to eat at the Newport Aquarium uh, to do that. So we decided on Frisius and uh, Tochila. I said, there's one right here in Bellevue, so let's just go to the one there. And the waitress put us over um, at this table, and uh, she was doing a, a great job. And one of the things that was interesting was, you know, the, the one granddaughter wanted um, uh, spaghetti, and, uh, and she said, you know what, you're getting the salad bar, spaghetti's on that, so I'm not even going to charge you for her meal. You know, just fill her plate up because you're getting the food bar anyway. And something that Sheila and I do um, oftentimes, is, and the Lord will impress upon us to do this, we will, um, from time to time, we do it as much as we can, we will let a waitress know, and we will tell them, and usually the Lord will lay it on both of our hearts. And either I can say, you know what, or Sheila can say, you know what. And so Thursday, I said, you know what, Sheila? And she said, you know, I was kind of thinking that. I said, this, I think, is going to be the waitress that we do for this time. And what we will do, a waitress will come over and we will tell her, we are putting your tip on the bill. But we will tell her, the Lord has blessed us tremendously. And God wants to bless you today. And so he is impressed upon us to give you this gift and we, we will put cash in her hand. And there's a reason I tell her it's a gift. It's not her tip. It's a gift. And we've done that so many times and the response has been so tremendous. But we did that with this waitress on Thursday. And she began bawling and crying. Hadn't even looked at how much it was yet. And she went off for a bit and then come back, still just bawling and crying. She said, you do not know how grateful I am for this. She said, my grandson lost his 28-year-old dad yesterday. She didn't tell me why, what happened. But all it was was her grandson was going to grow up without his dad. And just bawling there in frishes and saying, I'm just so grateful for this. Thank you all. Thank you. And we asked if there was anything we could do, and she said to pray for her and uh, her grandson and his dad, and, and we did. That's what gratitude is, isn't it? And as I, I was, had been preparing this, I'm thinking, but should we not have gratitude for God? And all the things that He does for us... And, some of these things I'm going to be sharing today in our own personal life and the things that we've witnessed in 30 years of ministry. And I can't do them all today or we'd be here till about 3 o'clock. But I want to share that today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 and 18. If you would stand with me, if you're able to, to read God's Word. Rejoice always. 
Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You may be seated. Paul here, and he moves from a discussion here in um, chapter 5 in 1 Thessalonians uh, from an interpersonal relationship with one another, talking about, if you go later and read, not right now, but later, uh, of how he's talking about how we are to treat one another and, and how our behavior is to be for one another. And what he does, he goes now to our relationship with God and more the spiritual aspect. And he gives us a series of, of imperatives. There's actually eight altogether um, that's directed at our devotion to God. And all of these imperatives that are stated are in the present tense, which means that it's calling for continuous action. And because they're in the imperative, they're clearly meant to be commands, not just suggestions. So these that we're going to look at today are not habits that are to be practiced occasionally, but these are identifying characteristics that should be the mark of every person who says they're a Christian. So this is not something that, you know, you practice occasionally or, you know, it is to be a part of our everyday life and it should mark your life as a Christian. And Paul, he underscores this fact when in verse 18 he says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So let's look at these, of what he says this morning. First of all, we are to have gratitude and joyful outlook. Now, for a lot of people and Christians, that phrase rejoice always is really, it can be perplexing. We like to talk about biblical truths, don't we? But we oftentimes, we really struggle putting them in the practice. We can talk about them and we can share them, but putting these principles into practice and given life with all the hurts, the pain, the sorrows, one might say, how can someone possibly always rejoice? How can someone always rejoice with all of life difficulties and the things that perhaps you've gone through just this year? How can one always rejoice? The answer, it's not as difficult as it might appear. See, joy is not something that we live in, and it's not something that we work on. Joy is something that we live in. We're able to experience constant joy because the presence of God's Spirit in our life, the fruit of the Spirit. It's in our lives. Our joy is never generated from the outside in, but from the inside out. I had people asking me, the residents there at the Haven and others, aren't you nervous about your surgery? Aren't you nervous about anything? And I said, absolutely not. I am not nervous about one thing about the surgery. One God's going to be in there. God has this under control. God is sovereign. And whether He gave me my eyesight back or not, 
I had that joy. I, I had that joy. Knowing of what He could do. And it's great when He does amazing things. And you can give that gratitude, that glory, and that praise to God. Because that joy, it's on the inside that comes out. Dr. Holland told me one time, he said, you're the most positive and patient person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> you know what? You, you can't help but be joyful when you have the Lord in your heart. Amen? Amen. See, rejoice always. Rejoice evermore. God, He has saved us. He looks after and He cares for us. If you and I, if you love God, God promises that He will take care of all the circumstances that attack us and work them out for His good. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. In my previous church, I had someone, uh, him and his wife, uh, their son who was a deacon, a uh, really dear friend of mine uh, in our church. Um, on a Saturday, um, I was riding in the truck uh, with, uh, with him uh, of, of my deacon, his dad, and we had a float in the Christmas parade in town. Um, I think no, I'm sorry. Fourth, uh, it was going to be the Fourth of July, uh, and it was uh, before uh, uh, the Fourth of July. That Monday on July the first, going driving into work, he fell asleep at the wheel, hit a tractor and trailer, and lost his life. Tragic. Tragic. Family devastated. His son, the deacon in the church, actually came upon the accident and didn't know that that was his father that was underneath the tractor and trailer. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God to those who are called according to His purpose. I preached His funeral. And it wasn't long after the funeral that the one who lost his life, his wife, came to me and she said, you're not going to believe what's happened here today. See, there was someone in the family, a father and a son, who had not spoken in over 15 years to each other. It might have been 20. Something had happened in, in their life, and, and, and so they had this grudge against each other. Had not spoken in over 15 years. And she said, I want you to know, they're talking today. And now they're going to have a relationship once again. Guys, God can bring good even out of the bad. Can He not? He can bring good. And think, on top of this, God has given us eternal life. 
the glorious privilege of living face to face with Him and serving Him forever and ever. And the believer who knows and keeps his mind upon these glorious facts can do nothing but rejoice. And then we see gratitude and persistent prayer. Pray constantly. Pray constantly. Now, this command, it's been a source of misunderstanding and and confusion. Um, Does Paul mean that you and I should be always praying like 24-7? I mean, so when you leave here today, get in your car, start driving, close your eyes, pray, see how far you get. I mean, I could have kind of done something like that, not seeing. But that's not what he's meaning. Or is he suggesting that you and I memorize written prayers and, and we, write, we recite them uh, just, uh, that's the practice of some religious groups. What's at the heart of, of this command? Of what Paul is saying? We know that Paul does not have to, to, uh, to mind that Christians should be praying at every single moment of the day because this would be impossible to pray at every single second, every single minute. But we also can be sure that Paul's not advocating the vain reputations of memorized prayers. That's not what he's talking about. When he commands that we pray, we are to keep on praying earnestly, passionately, expectantly. Jesus commands that we pray in this way. We see in Luke chapter 11, verse 9 and 10, it says, So I say to you, keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who searches finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Pray always. Without ceasing. Prayer is God's ordained way for us to receive things from Him. God moves, acts, and responds to prayer. In fact, prayer is a law that He's established throughout the universe. Why? Because prayer stirs fellowship and communion with God and brings about a greater knowledge and understanding of God. It causes you and I to learn more and more about God. It stirs more and more trust as well as worship and praise of God. Prayer stirs and causes every good thing imaginable between God and us. And it's the reason that God destined prayer as the primary way that He communicates with you and I. It's the reason for this command. Pray without ceasing. Continue. Persevere in prayer. In your daily worship, in your quiet times, and as you walk throughout the day. See, God has determined that certain expressions of His power will only be exercised in response to the prayer. Simply put, God won't do it unless you pray for it. We have because we ask not. 
The greatest tragedy in life is that prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. And if we truly expect that God will answer our prayers, then we'd better learn to pray with such tenacity and persistence that we allow nothing to hinder us in our life and bring in even the boldest requests to God. Think of it this way. Do you know that God wants to hear from you? God wants to hear from you. See, it's really neat when one of the things we uh, of what we do now, you know, we miss our grandkids not being able to be there. And, um, but see, it's great when we can FaceTime and, and they can hear from us and we can hear from them and we can see them. And it's so neat, you know, hey, Papa. But you know God wants to hear from you and I? Let that soak in. The God of this universe, the God who created everything, wants to hear from you. He longs to hear from you each and every day. And if God expects that you will ask Him for things, then it follows that He has the ability to give you what you ask. In fact, He has the ability to give you and I more than what we ask. Ephesians 3.20 Think about your most pressing need, your most formidable opponents, even your most out-of-reach dreams. If God desires that you bring those matters before Him, then you can be sure that He has more than enough ability to do this and do something about them. Jeremiah put it this way in Jeremiah 32.17 Nothing is too difficult for our God. Now about eight, maybe ten years ago, sometimes, you know, as you get older, Joe, you lose track of time, don't you? (laughs) Sheila was diagnosed with a rare heart condition called inappropriate sinus tachycardia. Now, I told her I always knew she was inappropriate, but now she was diagnosed it. And basically what this is, it affects your resting heart rate. To where basically it was like she was on a treadmill and never got off. Where a normal heart rate, mine would be you know, 70, 80 something, hers would be 140 of not doing anything. Now, this in itself is not fatal, but it affects other things within the body. One of those is what's called the ejection fraction, and and that's how the the heart pumps oxygen into the blood. And with this inappropriate sinus tachycardia and with the heart rate staying up high all the time, less and less and less oxygen is being pumped through the body. And so as a result, she started getting weaker and weaker. Now, in the beginning, they tried a couple medicines. None of them worked. They tried to do an ablation, which is going in and trying to find a needle in a haystack and trying to burn the place that they could find. 
Uh, an abrasion is not normally uh, successful with what she had, but the doctor wanted to try it and just see. He normally said that he would only do it for about an hour. He did two and a half hours, and he said he stopped because he was afraid of damaging her heart. No luck. No luck. She continued to go downhill. At one point, even the surgeon, uh, the the doctor, and, and we began looking anywhere in the country for any doctor, anyone that might have something new. He had told her that there was a medicine that um, wasn't made for what she had, but there had been some very high results on it that it had worked for what she had, and it had been highly effective, but her insurance would not approve it because it was not made for what she had. The cost for a month would be over $500. I think it was about July. As she was getting a a normal uh, ejection fraction, I think is about 52 to 55. At that time, hers was down to 45. It was about July. He had told her he... He said, I learned of a surgeon who's doing a new procedure and it's been highly effective in the 90%. He said, the problem is, Sheila, he he will not be back in the United States till the first of the year and you won't make it that long. Her ejection fraction continued to decrease. The insurance continued to deny. At one point they said she wasn't sick enough. She got down to 32, 35, which is critical. Critical. That at any time, just like that, she could go. She wouldn't be able to walk from here to the back door without having to sit down. I'm watching my wife slowly die before my eyes. And there's nothing I can do about it. Nothing. And I remember the one day in in praying. I mean, I broke down. I said, Lord, I've lost a a great friend in my church, a deacon, a, a great friend. I've lost our director of missions, our AMS, who we had gotten very close. And I said, Lord, I can't lose my wife. Guys, it wasn't a lack of faith. It was reality. I'm watching Sheila die before my eyes. She mentioned to the doctor of doing one more abrasion just to try. It's the day of the procedure. And going into this procedure, I was concerned. Because they have to raise your heart rate up. And to be quite honest, I didn't think Sheila would make it through the procedure. I was expecting her to die. In fact, 
One of my deacons, his wife was a retired nurse, and she said, you need to be at the hospital today for Daryl because I don't think Sheila's going to make it. We're there, and before we left, we were in our living room. Before we left, I said, I I want to pray. And all these years as a minister, I would always pray for the success of the procedure, the success of the surgery. And I've been praying. And a lot of people have been praying. But that morning, I'll never forget. I didn't pray for success. I said, Lord, you're sovereign. And you have a plan. I don't know what it is. But all I can do is trust you. So Lord, I'm asking for you to intervene today. In whatever way that you choose. Just intervene. And that was the prayer. We're at the hospital. We're there in, in, I guess call it the holding place, uh, getting ready to, to go down. Hug and kiss time. I had asked Sheila a little bit earlier, will the doctor come in? And she said, no, he won't until I'm in the procedure room. And it was about a minute the curtain opened, and it was the surgeon, the doctor. And he said, I want to talk with you all for a moment. He said, I just found out that yesterday your insurance approved that medicine. And if it's okay with you, I want to cancel the procedure and try the medicine. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) He's like, now I'm sorry you had to go through all this and, and everything. But, you know, probably owed a breakfast. I said, oh, she's going to get a good breakfast. She's been on that medicine ever since. And you all see her. Be persistent in prayer. God wants to hear from us. Also, we should have gratitude in our attitude. (laughs) See, at first, this appears to be a very unusual command given how tough life is to rejoice always. How can it be possible for us to give thanks for everything? While we might concede the need to give thanks for some things, we could really question the legitimacy of giving thanks for all things. But when we read this verse carefully, We might be surprised that Paul says we're able to give thanks in everything, not for everything. See, the imperative speaks more about our perspective toward life than it does toward our attitude toward our circumstances. And to keep and obey this command, we have to see the big picture in view. And to keep the big picture in view, we have to understand how God's providence works. 
J.I. Packer, he defines providence as the unceasing activity of the Creator, whereby an overflowing bounty and goodwill. He upholds His creatures in ordained existence. He guides and governs all events, circumstances, and free acts of angels and men and directs everything to its appointed go for its own glory. Only God could take the thousands and thousands of details of our lives, some good, some bad, and weave them into the beautiful tapestry of His perfect plan. From human perspective, many of life's occurrences, especially the painful ones, appear to have little intrinsic value. But if we had God's perspective, we would be able to view each of these in a detail in a different way. Because God's in control. Give thanks in everything is to affirm our resolute belief that God is overseeing every detail of our lives. And Paul, he concludes this by saying, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What more could please our Heavenly Father than for Him to know that we trust Him so much that we are willing to live each moment of our life in a constant state of thankfulness. Give thanks in all things. How can we thank God for terrible trials such as accidents and death and sin? We don't. This is not what the Scripture means. What God means is to thank Him for His presence and His power as we walk through such trials. And in Christ Jesus, there's victory and triumph over all, no matter how terrible Therefore, in everything, not for everything, as we walk through life, thank God for the victory that He's given us through Jesus Christ. To give Him thanks. Ephesians 5.20 says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. The last... One that I'll share as I close. Um, remember I mentioned the deacon that had passed away. But I want to do a Paul Harvey this morning. And I want to tell you the rest of the story. Because it's an amazing, unbelievable display of the power of God. I believe it was close, maybe Thanksgiving. I don't remember um, exactly. Um, but I got a call early that morning, I think about 4, 4.30, that he'd had a massive heart attack and was in the hospital. Sheila and I went immediately there and spent all day. And it was massive. He had coded it numerous times, and they thought they had gotten him maybe a little stable. They were trying things. Things weren't working. So it was about 8.30 that night um, that some of the family said, you know, Brother Darrell, you know, why don't you and Sheila go on home, and, and if you would, um, Jay, his, his brother uh, and wife was there. And they said, you know, would you follow them and make sure that they get home because it was night? And I said, sure. 
So we left the hospital and we um, left and followed, made sure that they got home. And we had no sooner got home than we got the call and said, you need to come back now. We get back to the hospital and I see family out in um, the waiting and I knew something was wrong. I've been a pastor long enough to know. And one looked at me and, and went like that. And I knew. We got in there and, and he had been, they estimated that he had been gone about an hour, maybe an hour and ten minutes that he'd been gone. And they were waiting for us and his brother and uh, sister-in-law to get back there. And we all had gotten there. And there was one last machine they would took to. It wasn't keeping a lot. It wasn't doing anything. He was gone. He was gone. And we're there in the intensive care, and you know it's, it's all glass and, and open and everything. And so the, the one son um, and his girlfriend was in the room. The other one went to tell the nurse, it's time. And it was about that time we hear the girlfriend yell, Oh, my gosh, he's moving. And we all turned, and he raised up in the bed. Yeah. Twelve of the family, 14, we all saw it. He raises up in the bed, alive. Nurses come running from all over the place. Must have been 15 of them. And there was one in particular. His nickname was Thor because he was big and had long hair. So they had nicknamed him Thor. And nurses come in and, and we're there and we're watching this. He's, he's alive and, and they're telling him to calm down, calm down, calm down. And, and Thor, he says, guys, what is happening here? Well, I can tell you what happened. God just brought someone back from the dead. You know, you hear about these things, right? You wonder if it ever happens? I'm here to tell you, I saw it. And I had good vision then. <laughs> Here, here's why I, sh I share this about... And yes, he did pass away about four months later. But remember Thor? Talking about the big picture? Thor had come back. And he said, guys, I'm a black and white person. Right? And he said, what I witnessed tonight was not. It was not. And I know he came back to talk with Jay. I don't know if Thor ever prayed to receive Christ, but he saw the power of the Lord and that overall picture of God. So here's what I want to do today. For our invitation, I'm going to have Karen just to soften play after I prayed and you stand. And the Lord just put this on my heart. Uh, it's one of those. Uh, he impresses upon my heart. If it doesn't, then I look like an idiot. And that's okay. 
But I want to encourage you. You can do it at the pew. But I want to encourage you to come to this altar and to give God gratitude. Praise. Thanksgiving. For what He's done in your life this year. What He's going to do this coming year. What He's done in this church. And folks, He's not finished with Tunnel Hill yet. Amen? I just want you to come and just give God gratitude. We all have something to be thankful for, don't we? We all can give Him praise and worship when we can't give anything else. Let's stand. Father, Lord, I thank You for the sovereignty that You have, Your power, Your majesty, Your glory of just how You do so many things for us, Lord. You've allowed me and Sheila to witness so many things, even more than what I shared today. And Lord, this invitation's for You. That we come and worship You. We show You our gratitude for the God that You are. As we end this year and begin the new, glorifying, honoring, and worshiping You. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.